0: you <laughs>
1: Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, April 22nd, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Matt Baxendale. Bax, let's get right into it. Lots to talk about on today's show. We're going to get into recruiting. We're going to talk about the NFL draft. Let's start off with Ohio State's 2020 linebackers. Very veteran group. Even the backups are veteran. You know, guys like Taraja Mitchell and Dallas Gain and Kayvon Pope are going to be juniors. We think of them as young guys. They're juniors. And they got a bunch of seniors with Tuff Borland and Baron Browning and Pete Werner. Justin Hilliard, if he sticks around and and does not transfer, there is some talk about that in the spring backs. Just in general, how do you feel about Ohio State's linebackers going into this season?
0: You know, this may sound bad, but I almost feel like we're too veteran at the position because you have so many young guys that we've wanted to see that we haven't gotten to see. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like a bit like the Buckeyes, you know, they have so many guys that are capable of playing right now. And that's great, and I'm excited about that. But you know, the flip side of that is that is that you've got Kayvon Pope, you've got Taraja Mitchell, you've got Dallas Gantt. We haven't seen them yet. And, you know, when you have an unsettled linebacking group where you have a guy in Hilliard who's a, what is he, 60-year senior this year who hasn't really been able to stay healthy, you have a guy in tough Borland that, we all know is good, but is, is he great? You know, it's, he's sort of like the JT Barrett of the defense where you know what you're getting, but is it, is it, is it the most you can get from the position? Um, you got a guy in Baron Browning who to this day, I am still firmly a big believer that he should be, that he always looks best when he's attacking the quarterback. Like he's your rush outside linebacker. He's your put his hand down on the ground if you need him kind of guy more than a read and react linebacker. So really, you know. You've got one guy in Pete Warner who I'm confident is an elite level linebacker. After watching him against Fryermuth from Penn State last year, I don't think anybody can debate that. You know, so you've got these young guys, and the big question is, how good can they be? You know, are you happy to settle for, you know, pretty good, or do you want to aim to see if you have another Raquan McMillan or another Darren Lee on your hands with some of these young guys? Right, and with the qual- with the number of veterans that you have. The fact, Tufts is going to be like a three-year starter. You know, uh, Justin Hilliard is, is fought through everything to try to get his way onto the field, so it's not like they're going to not play him just because he's the oldest guy. But, you know, in fact, if anything, you'd be more concerned that maybe he's on the field because of how hard he's worked to get there. So I guess the linebackers are a really interesting situation because do these older players act as a bit of a glass ceiling towards a younger group that maybe has a higher real ceiling by the end of the day? Uh, it, it's it's a fascinating position. and Unfortunately, we didn't get spring football to see whether that's the case or not, you know, because you'd be hearing stories. We always heard a lot about Kayvon Pope behind the scenes, but the other two as well, here and there, you hear stories about, man, that kid's really good. He should be playing, right? So I think linebackers are going to be a really interesting position to watch because there's very clearly what's become the old school of the linebackers and then the new school of guys who haven't gotten on the field yet.
1: What do you want to see happen? I mean, other than the Buckeyes linebackers just play out of their minds, just from a personnel standpoint, as you're sitting here, you know, we're just spitballing, but what does Matt Baxendale want to see with the linebackers this year?
0: Well, knowing that the coaches know more than me and putting that preface out there, because, you know, that's the first time you ever criticize anybody who plays. They go, well, the coaches know more than you. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. the coaches knew more than me too. Whenever I said JT Barrett should have sat, Dwayne Haskins should have played wrong. Anyways, uh, so the issue I think we have here is, is that I, I don't think, you, I think Warner's the only one you can argue with being on, not argue with being on the field. He's clearly played at a, at a very, very high level. I thought he was the best linebacker on the team in a couple games last year, which says a lot when Malik Harrison's looking at being a draft pickup coming here. Um What I really want to know is uh I want the best player to play at the positions, right? I don't want the most veteran player to play. I don't want the most trusted player to play, right? It kind of reminds me of, Um, remember when we had Curtis Grant at middle linebacker for years and he was great against the run, but we all got terrified of him in any passing play. And then Raquan McMillan showed up and to Curtis Grant's credit, his last year, he kind of took that next step against the pass. But on obvious passing downs, Raekwon was the middle linebacker. I want the best linebacker on the field. We got some guys who look like dudes who make me really question whether tough is the best linebacker on the field. Now he may be the best quarterback on the field as uh, the quarterback of the defense, He may be uh, the most veteran guy that you know what you're going to get, and he's going to battle, right? And he's going to be one of those guys who's going to do really well until you're running against the hyper-elite teams where you get exposed. And we've seen that at times with him. Um, So, again, that's why I keep making the J.T. Barrett comparison. He's very good, but is he great? I don't know. I don't think so. And I think these other guys behind him have that potential. I also think Baron Browning's utterly miscast if you're going to have him trying to do anything like what Warner does, which is covering tight ends, playing zone browning should be attacking the ball at all times there's no situation where baron browning should be sitting back in coverage baron browning should be the guy who comes off the edge where you know you've got you got tyreek smith attacking the tackle and browning blows by him and murders a quarterback that's when he's looked like the number 17 player in america during his buckeye career is when you send him after the quarterback or if he's just attacking the football if he has to read and react he doesn't do that very quickly that was why he was utterly miscast at middle linebacker a couple of years ago. And I, I think you need to put him in a position where you send him as just attack, go, right? I don't think you can just line him up at outside linebacker and tell him, all right, you're a three-down linebacker. I don't think that works. And I really want to see the younger kids get these opportunities to show that maybe one of them is a three-down linebacker. There's too much talent there. There's too much hyper hearing behind the scenes. And there's too much, I guess, Lack of elite performance among a couple of these guys coming back. There's plenty of good performance from those guys coming back, but, you know, good is the enemy of great. And if you're at Ohio State, you better be great. And I think that's the big question with linebackers.
1: All right, before we touch on the NFL draft, let's get into some recruiting real quick. More good news, shockingly, for the Buckeyes. They landed Jansen Dunn on Monday. He's the 17th prospect in the class, number one player out of Kentucky, young man that can play safety or corner, most likely a safety And more good news yesterday. Steve Wilfong put in his crystal ball for Ohio State to land Jalen Davies, four-star corner. He is out of Santa Ana, California, Mater D. High School, the number 11 corner in the country, number 110 overall player in the country. You know, knocking on the door to be a top 100 player, and, you know, he could be the 18th member of the class. So the beat goes on. Just your thoughts on on Steve Wilfong putting in that crystal ball for Jalen Davies to Ohio State.
0: I mean, it's getting stupid at this point, isn't it? Like. (laughs) <laughs> like we're, I think these kids are like reading what we're saying, which is this is one of the greatest recruiting classes in modern history. And they're all kind of just going, yep, we agree. We're in. And <laughs> that's how this is like slowly shaping up is that all these recruits are literally just going, yeah, we agree. This is a heck of a recruiting class. Um, I, I genuinely think before it's all said and done, Ohio state has a couple more quote unquote big ads in them. But you know, when you, when you add it done, this past weekend. I literally wrote this in the bucket of bolts on Sunday. I'm like, yeah, so last week it was tune me Adelaide. This week it's going to be, uh, it's going to be Jansen Dunn, And then, you know, who's, who's the week after? I mean, that's the way this is just going. And I think these kids are recognizing that there's six to eight spots left in this class. And there are, you know, 30 elite level kids going, man, if I want to jump in on one, that's the one to jump in on right now because of the momentum. Um, I think that uh, first of all, Davies is a really big get. I think it helps with some of these other big-name California guys that are a little bit more of a pipe dream out there, the Foremans and Davises of the world, That I don't know if they're going to happen, but if you keep bringing in California kids, it gives them more attention to maybe looking to come East. Um, But this goes back to what my thought was, and and Dave, I'd like your opinion on this one. I think recruiting is becoming to the point where you're getting, like, a super class. I call them the hyper elites when it comes to recruiting, where you have schools right now, and it seems like every top kid in the country is interested in maybe the local school, but they're also interested in Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, and um, you know one, uh, Oklahoma. That's the other one. Those and those are the teams that are always in the playoffs. I, like you got look at Washington, JTT and Iguca, and, and, and all those other guys. Who are they looking at outside of UW? Those schools, right? You look out in California. It's those schools and USC. And USC is finally getting their act together on the trail this year. It was a mess last year for them. I really think that right now, if you're one of those top four or five programs, you're going anywhere in America and having a legitimate chance at landing the top 50 kids in the country because the top kids now, with all the technology we have, can talk to each other from time they're age 14, get to know the people they want to play with, get to know which people are, are, are morons, and players know who can play, right? They go to camps together. They know who's legit. They know who's overrated in shorts and a T-shirt, <laughs> like Shane Morris might have been, Uh you know they, they know exactly what they're doing, and these kids want to play with the best kids. Clemson did this to a, a certain level last year, getting all those top kids from all over the country to come together, and Ohio State is taking it to another level this year. And so I think these hyper-elite programs that are sort of the ones dominating the college football playoff appearances, they're the ones who are going all over the country to places that they normally can't go. And I think it's it's funneling more of these elite kids to these top programs than ever before. And you're seeing it this year with Ohio State, literally on pace to have the best recruiting class in modern recruiting history. So, I mean, is this something you think is going to continue, Dave, with this hyper elite thing? Do you buy into my theory?
1: I do. I think that's uh, very well said. I mean, we're seeing it play out. I do think the quarantine has kind of amplified everything, though. I don't know if we're going to see anything like this. Well, I mean, obviously, hopefully we never see anything like this again. But anything that just kind of shuts everything down where – you know, kids have to, you know, and some maybe some kids want the limelight. They're just bored out of their mind. I've thought about that, too. I think some of these kids probably are just like, you know, maybe I'll just commit now. Like, I have nothing going on in my life right now. I think it also helps the coaching staff kind of focus and kind of streamline and just recruit these kids. But I think there's a
0: lot of factors to play into that, Max. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, we saw it last year, even without the quarantine with what Thompson did, right, where, you know, they had DJ Ugaleli and all those other guys at uh, West going there. You saw them trying it this year, Corey Foreman, until he decommitted recently. I just – in the past, OSU never went out west, you know. We never went and landed kids like 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 Guy Scott out of, of the state of Washington. It just wasn't something we did. Right now we're talking about landing the top two players in the state of Washington potentially this year. Um, I, and maybe it's partly because the Pac-12, which is the flip side of my hyper-elite argument, the Pac-12 is becoming the league that's kind of known as the fifth league, right? They're the ones that aren't getting teams in the playoffs. They've only had two in five or six years of playoffs, right? And, like, the top powers out west are supposed to be UCLA, USC, right? And they're down. So their region is just getting feasted on by the outer region, hyper-elite schools. I mean, like, I remember when I was in school at OSU, we would always turn on the Pac-12 or Pac-10 at the time games after dark, right? And we would say, all right, let's watch one of these games. It's going to end 45 to 42. And half the quarterbacks that we're potentially seeing are going to end up starting in the NFL. You know, Joey Harrington and Carson Palmer and all these other big-name guys, right? Well, last year the top three quarterbacks in the state of California, who were three of the top four recruits, went to Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. So I think you're really seeing it. Like if you go, if you start having a down cycle as a conference or as a as a top tier school, these kids forget about you quicker than ever.
1: And the biggest thing I just want to say this about Ohio State recruiting: the biggest thing is just what stalwarts they are at recruiting, right down from you know from the top down. Ryan Day is doing a fantastic job. They've got right now the top three recruiters in the country in, at the 24-7 sports rankings and Kerry Combs and Tony Alford and Brian Hartline. And, and that's in no particular order. I should go back and look at that. I think it's actually right now. Alford is first, Hartline is second, and Combs is third. You also have Larry Johnson knocking on the door right there. He's like fifth or something. Al Washington's up there. It's just crazy. And by the way, before we get to the NFL draft, programming note. This morning we will have a teleconference, the local media will, with Kerry Combs, Larry Johnson, Brian Hartline, and Tony Alford. So I'm very excited about that. We're going to get a lot of information from Coach Combs, Coach Johnson, Coach Hartline, and Coach Alford pretty much right after this podcast ends. So keep it locked to Bucknups for all that. All right, backs, as promised, NFL draft, first round is tomorrow. I cannot wait. This is just so – you know, we haven't had, I guess, other than the Michael Jordan documentary, really, anything as sports fans, just all – we're all gathering around at the same time to watch in, like, two months – NFL draft, as you and I have talked, the the ratings are going to be off the charts, but what are you most excited to see tomorrow night with the first round?
0: Well, I want to see how many Buckeyes go in it. To be real blunt, I mean, we know there's going to be a bunch of them, right? Uh, You know, you can argue whether you can theoretically claim that all the top three picks are Ohio State guys if you want to claim Joe Burrow, and if if Jeff Okuda ends up third, then that would give you the top three if you want to go that route, but I want to see if guys like Dobbins get in. Um, I, I, I genuinely just want to see football, real football stuff, to be real honest. I I was joking. This is the most excited I've been for an NFL draft in years, right? Uh, Not because, like, you know, I'm particularly interested more than usual. I'm always interested, but, like, there's nothing else going on. So since the shutdowns happened, like, pro wrestling with no fans in the stands, this is the first thing resembling sports that we're getting. You know what I mean? Like... uh, I'm just so excited to have something that I can talk about with people that seems normal again. And, you know, as we slowly creep towards like somewhat of a return to normalcy, this is like a big slap in the face of like normal pie. And I really want some normal pie right now. So I think that more than anything has me excited about the NFL draft. So it will be fun every time an Ohio State guy gets picked to put something on Twitter or something on our page about going, hey, so uh, yeah, Michigan fans, You wonder why Ohio State gets all the recruits. It's not because we're paying them anymore, right? It's not because the bag man's out. It's because they're getting paid by the NFL. So whenever you guys figure that out and get a coach who can actually get kids in there that can develop into these kind of level picks, maybe you guys will win some games too. I
1: don't think I mentioned Mark Pantoni earlier when I was talking about this great um, recruiting staff. How silly of me. I mean, Mark Pantoni and his staff are out of the park better than anybody. The guy they have at Michigan – I mean I, I mean, we can make fun of Michigan all we want. I mean it's just I mean, let's just get down to brass tacks. I mean their guy that's their version of Mark Pantoni. I mean, I don't know if you followed his work, but it's like, oh my goodness. There might be a more of a drop off I have to think about this. Um, it's at least in the ballpark. There might be like a, a similar drop off from like Ryan Day to Jim Harbaugh as there is from Mark Pantoni to I think his name is Zubak or something like that. Whoever is the Mark Pantone of Michigan is not good at his job in
0: my opinion. Zuba 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 not going to get many recruits to come up there. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> their, their 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 recruiting is the best thing for them in their recruiting right now is is that Ohio State is doing so well that Michigan actually has still has a chance at one of the top players in their state because Ohio State ran out of room for Donovan Edwards. Like, let's be honest here. Like, they're not going to probably land Payne from up there with OSU and Alabama all over him, but. I mean, Michigan's recruiting is so messed up right now that they're recruiting Massachusetts like it's their home state. Massa freaking Chusets. And like I went to high school in Massachusetts. My high school won multiple state championships of football while I was in Massachusetts. Massachusetts is a bottom ten high school football state in America. And Don Brown's waltzing up there using his Boston College connections to steal kids from Jeff Hafley that normally would go to Boston College. That doesn't beat Ohio State. I'm sorry. Like, Massachusetts in the last, like, seven years has six top 247 kids total. Ohio has more than that just this year alone, but Harbaugh doesn't ever seem to try to come down here to, like, ever recruit. It's, it, it's insane. Like, uh, I never thought I'd see Michigan more willing to recruit in Massachusetts than they are in Ohio, but I guess this is Don Brown's equivalent of being Jim Bowman, right? The laziest possible recruiting pickup for him. Here you go. So it's just – it's unfathomable how crappy they're recruiting. End of the day, like a school like Minnesota right now is giving Michigan an interesting run for their money. PJ Fleck's up there doing work, landing a, a top hundred kid at Minnesota last week. He got a four-star corner out of Arizona. I mean, you give Fleck another year or two up there and keep him there, that, that's going to end up being a legit-ass school. So, you know, Michigan's falling down the relevancy uh, totem pole right now just because they can't get the talent in. And, now you get you put a guy like Fleck there, or the you know name I won't say that ha- that you know begins in F and ends in Ickle, uh, Then it things Ooh. get interesting again. So, never so that's the terror
1: Luke, one. Luke Pickle's not a traitor. He would never do it.
0: I hope not. But you know if Luke's looking at Notre Dame and Ohio State, and not opening for a while, and Michigan's sitting there with the Rick James fingers welcoming him in, you never know. That's the that's the litmus test, Dave. That's the litmus test. Pick the coach you want to see there the least, right? Like, that's the guy that, that, that they should be trying to hire is the one we want to see there the least, right? Like, whenever you're Ohio quote, State yeah, was... With,
1: yeah. yeah, you're quoting me. Yes, that's correct.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like, when they had Urban Meyer, or when we didn't have Urban yet, and we had as our coach, that was the one name they didn't want us to get. And we were smart, and we went and got him, right? <laughs> They need to figure out who terrifies us the most and go get them and get rid of Harbaugh after this year.
1: For me, it would be Matt Campbell, I think. That's the one guy I wouldn't want to see. I wouldn't want to see P.J. Fleck there. I wouldn't want to see Fickle there. But I think the guy, Matt Campbell wins at Iowa State. I mean, I know P.J. Fleck. I like P.J. Fleck, too. I mean, he wins at Western Michigan. He's winning at Minnesota. Look at where guys win, where other guys have not been able to win before. Frankly, as much as I like Fickle, there's been guys that have been able to win there. You know, like Brian Kelly won there. You know, D'Antonio didn't win as mm-hmm. big didn't win his fickle as winning. But there's been guys that have won there, um, especially Brian Kelly. Um, but I look at what Fleck has done, and I look at what Campbell has done at smaller programs, Campbell at Toledo. Now, there have been you know, previous coaches at Toledo that did really well, so I didn't look at that as much. When he went to Iowa State, which is a real tough place to win, and won and keeps winning, not big, but relatively speaking for Iowa State, I'm impressed with him. I'm impressed with Fleck, and I wouldn't want to see Fickle go there either, but Campbell or Fleck are the two main guys I don't want to see go there.
0: What about well, you? Campbell has those Ohio ties. That's the scary thing is the Ohio ties with Campbell. And Fleck doesn't have those Ohio ties, but he'd come in and just tirelessly recruit the state, and in a cycle or two, he'd get a kid or two. We didn't want him to. But Fickle is still my number one fear. And my number one fear is Fickle for a very simple reason. If you look at the history of Michigan football from a 10,000-foot perspective, go back to their last – Undisputed national championship, which was in the era of black and white photography. Uh, it was when the, the state of the United States of America didn't yet have fifty states. All those fun things we get to, like make fun of them for. They went on a, a pretty clear starting downward curve, and then through the '60s they started falling through the floor in the Bump Elliott days. The only thing that saved them from becoming utterly irrelevant was the fact that they went and they hired Ohio State's essentially coach and waiting in Bo Schembechler, right? They had to go to the Ohio State well, well to save their program. And hiring Bo alone gave them another 30 years of being able to recruit Ohio at a dangerous level. And that's why the rivalry was what it was for those the entire time period for Schoenbeckler's entire career as the head coach, and then for his, his successors, which was a former OSU captain and another guy on, on Schoenbechler's staff, right? 30 years that they bought staving off irrelevancy by hiring Bo Beckler from the OSU tree. They went to their arch rival and took their arch rival's sort of guy-in-waiting. In In five years, let's say Ryan Day goes to chase the Super Bowl in five years. Who's Ohio State's guy-in-waiting? You can make a very strong argument as Luke Fickle. So if you're Michigan and you go and you get Luke Fickle and bring him up and you turn him to the dark side, right? Anakin Skywalker picks up the red lightsaber and walks up to Michigan, right? If that happens, then not only do you have the Ohio Ties the guy who's a proven winner, all that other stuff. But you have a guy who is actively going to be insidiously inside the Ohio State block of just solidarity, right? That means he's going to have more ends with coaches than any other person will. Matt Campbell won't have the same ends with Ohio high school football coaches that Luke Fickle would, not even close. Luke spent the last 20 years recruiting this state from an in-state perspective with the hammer of the OSU logo on his chest. And even when he's at Cincinnati, everybody thinks that Luke is a Buckeye, Right? And on top of that, all the the things from the network of Ohio State people, the potential coaches, all the things that – look, for example, the Bourne family that flipped off of the Michigan bandwagon with their children coming from Michigan to OSU. All the attrition that Michigan has seen as a valuable program, they start building that back to themselves because you have a guy like Luke who actively takes from Ohio State, right? So if Luke goes there – it hurts Ohio State as a as, as as almost a block, right? The state of Ohio is a solid block. All the people in Ohio are aligned. All the coaches in Ohio are aligned. If Luke goes over there, there's more goodwill Michigan gets from Luke Fickle in terms of recruiting and in terms of being able to break that fence around Ohio that is 300 feet high than any other coach. And that's the biggest reason Ohio State has been kicking the crap out of Michigan for the last 20 years, because they can't hop over our fence because we shoot them down every time they try that's why they lose every November. And the biggest way that they get that fixed is they hire Luke Fickle. That's why Luke, for me, by a mile, is the least interesting guy, or the, 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 the guy I want to see the least up there. He is by far the scariest hire for that reason alone. P.J. Fleckle won a ton of games. He'll be there, John Cooper. He'll lose in, against Ohio State at the end of the day because he's a pretty conservative coach, but he'll have their guys ready to play. He'll be a handful. Matt Campbell will come here and he'll recruit, but he won't steal the kids from Ohio like Luke Fickle could. And he's not a Buckeye. He's a Mount Union guy. There's a big difference. So Luke Fickle to me by a mile, and I could talk about this all day. I mean, don't make this, the Buckeyes five hours, but, like, it's Luke Fickle. And I hope to God that you're right that Luke has no interest in going to Ann Arbor in a year because that's going to be an availability to him. I have firmly believe it.
1: We do agree on one thing. We like that Michigan is using Massachusetts as a recruiting pipeline and not coming into Ohio and trying to do what they did for many years, which was the lifeblood of their program. I mean, Harbaugh should know it better than anybody. He's from Ohio. Desmond Howard, who we played with from Ohio, Charles Woodson, the other Heisman Trophy winner from Ohio, Elvis Gerbach, on and on, people who ruined my childhood. Um, well, felt, felt like half their, I didn't feel like it. Half their roster was from Ohio. But, uh, yeah, let them uh, – let them tap into Massachusetts. Great stuff from the People's Champ, Matt until You can catch his column every Sunday on Bucknuts. It is the bucket of bullets. Thank you very much, Bax, and thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. Again, keep a locked to Bucknuts, Ohio State's assistant coaches teleconference this morning. We will have full coverage of that. Let's try the Buckeye Swag, best damn band in the land. <laughs>
0: on Paramount+. Plus. You're ready,
1: Bob. Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying.
0: It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.